this morning. Let me grab some water, and we're going to get kick-started here in the Word. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word that you have given us, Father. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that is here, present, uh, to open our eyes, give us understanding, uh, and build us up in our faith this morning. So we want to receive from you today all that you have for us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You got it to work? Right. You just couldn't hit the button right. There we go. I can talk with my hands. Hallelujah. Uh, today. Turn. Hello, hello. There we are. I don't know how I did that. All right. We'll get rolling here this morning. All right, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jonathan, uh, one of the elders here. Um, our other two elders are out today, uh, which is not usual, but uh, uh, they'll be back next week, I believe. So, amen. Everyone will be healthy and well and able to come. So, uh, today I want to talk to you about uh, your calling and the calling of the Lord. Um, there's no born-again believer here today who has not been called by Jesus. So I want to speak about your calling, and uh, the word calling can bring to mind a lot of different ideas, um, because the world uses that word as well sometimes, and I know in my college experience where I went, you know, they use that word calling, but it wasn't necessarily a biblical understanding of the word calling and how that applies to how Jesus calls us. So hopefully today I want to give a biblical idea of calling and your calling in the Lord um, and how the Holy Spirit uh, is working in our lives um, through that and causes us to walk a certain path that the Holy Spirit has set out for us. Because the Holy Spirit does have a pathway that is set out for you individually. He has a calling uh, that we answer in the gospel, and then he also has specific things that he has in your life to fulfill your mission um, and your destiny, if I could use that word, um, but he has those specific things. Um, you can run from your calling. You can run from the calling of the Lord. As a young man, I, I ran from my calling uh, for many years. Uh, the calling that comes from Jesus is not abstract or vague. You don't have to guess its meaning or strive to figure out what Jesus wants in your life if you are called by him, okay? His calling is not abstract. I can remember very specifically in detail um, every time that the Lord was calling me. As a young man, when I was running from the Lord, um, I can remember two guys that came to me, two classmates, teenagers, and, and they came up and confronted me and said, you know, do you really know Jesus? Um, and they said, you know, faith. And, and I said, yeah, of course I do. You know, because I was a, grew up in a Christian home, so I could talk the talk, you know, give a good answer. And, uh, and they're like, faith without works is dead, man. And, and what they were saying, and they went on to explain, 
you know, without a vibrant relationship with Jesus, you know, a confession, a statement is meaningless unless you've been born again, unless you have a real relationship with him. Um, and I remember being pinned to the ground by the Holy Spirit from these words. Jesus was calling. I remember being confronted again by others. Later down the road, you know, do you really know Jesus? I don't know why they kept asking this. I guess because I acted a good act, but people in the spirit knew <laughs> that I didn't really know. And, you know, penning me, do you really know Jesus? And, and uh, finally confessed, no, I don't know him. Um, and so I repeated a prayer with this guy, but I knew that I hadn't received Jesus, that I hadn't turned away from my sin, that I hadn't surrendered to the Lord, and ran, ran out from that, knowing that I came really close, but I hadn't got the real thing. But this was Jesus calling, right? There was a season as the Holy Spirit was putting the pressure, the pressure on where every night I would close my eyes and I would see myself preaching, preaching to crowds of people, um, even uh, in other countries, and this was prior to surrendering to the Lord. And, and I could see it, and I knew that it was something I was supposed to do, something that I could do. Um, but I couldn't because I wasn't in Christ. <laughs> I couldn't because I wasn't surrendered to the Lord. But Jesus was calling. The calling of the Lord is outside of time, for he sees the end from the beginning. The calling of the Lord reaches into your, our present and pulls humans into eternity. Okay, you are not called into small things. So when the Lord spoke to you and said, come, be mine, we never need to take our eyes off the power of the Lord's calling. Sometimes we can drift away in our thinking uh, from the glory of what the Lord has called us to and... Um, called us into, beginning to think that it's just a trivial thing or a common thing of what we have, um, but it's not. The Lord wants to call us into unclaimed territory. So I believe the Lord desires to do a couple things here this morning. First is to reawaken the burning embers of first love in our hearts as you realize again the glory of the one who has called you to himself. Secondly, it is to establish you in perseverance, to walk through difficulty um, from things that come to oppose your calling and your walk in the Lord. And thirdly, to open up new possibilities for you to step into with unclaimed territory that the Lord has for you in this season. So Jesus calls every believer to himself through the preaching of the gospel. You were called through the gospel. It is the power of God to salvation. The fact that you understand the gospel in any way and were drawn to believe in the person of Jesus uh, is evidence that the Lord has called you. Okay, You could not have come up with this conclusion on your own. The Father wanted you. Therefore, he sent his Son to be the payment for your sin and the sins of the world so he could purchase you right? Uh, and he saw you on the cross. And we, we talked about that last week, how we died with him. So Jesus saw you and he took you with himself to the cross. Um, our first scripture I want to turn to is 2 Thessalonians 2.13. And I'm sorry I didn't get it up on the screen this morning. 
But Second um, Thessalonians 2.13 says, We are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. So you see, the gospel called you. You were called by the gospel. The gospel is the means and the end of your calling. And it is the means and the end of anyone else who is going to obtain salvation. In the gospel is life from death, justification, sanctification, glorification, in which all things are brought into unity in Christ. The gospel is the good news concerning the person of Jesus, right? So even when I was dead in my sin, running from the Lord, Jesus would give me a foretaste of the glory of his kingdom. And I believe that he did this for you too, saying, come join me, you know, come join me, son. Uh, Come join me in my kingdom and joy. Participate in the reward of my suffering and obedience. I have prepared a banquet for you. (laughs) So um, get up and come. You know, come take part in what I am about, even in the deadness of our sin. The calling of the Lord is not waiting for you to get your act together. The calling of the Lord is the power of God to make you right with him and plunge you into what Uh, into eternity, into what Jesus is all about. So you can run for a time, but you can't get away when the Lord is genuinely calling you. (laughs) So if you're at all running, just give up (laughs) and stop running because the the sooner you stop, uh, the sooner you get to experience the genuine life in Christ, genuine joy in him. And your, your calling is not dependent on your skills and abilities, your charm and wit, nor your riches or your poverty. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. It's not determined on our abilities. You know, I, I was one of the most terrified persons of speaking in public. It is nothing that I ever thought that I would ever do because I was terrified of speaking in public. And so it's nothing is nothing in me that, that says, oh, yeah, this is just what I want to do. It's just the Lord has a sense of humor. The Lord knows what he's doing. Um, and so don't ever look at your own abilities or your own fears as to determine what the Lord is going to call you into to do. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.20, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, Just stop there. In the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom didn't know God. 
So God didn't set it up. God didn't set up the world system whereby man's intellect and wisdom and thinking, they would discover God. <laughs> he set it up where in man's chiefest ability, they wouldn't believe in God, they wouldn't perceive God. Um, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. So this is a crazy system. The Lord sets up where man doesn't in their own understanding perceive God, but he sets it where the preaching of the gospel is the power that awakens salvation, the power that awakens men to be able to see God and believe in him. For Jews request a sign, verse 22, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness, but, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Okay? So the fact that you believe, again, is evidence that God himself has reached out and given you understanding to believe this message. But God, verse 27, has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So let he who glories say, he glories in the Lord. Let him glory in the Lord. So let no one despise your calling in the Lord, and your fellowship that you have with him. You are a walking demonstration of the wisdom of God, okay? Whatever the world claims is wisdom is really foolishness to God, stupidity to God, okay? Your calling is not commonplace. You can brag about your calling if that bragging is in the Lord. You can glory in what the Lord has done. The Lord has delivered me. The Lord called me out of death and gave me life. When I wasn't looking for him, he was looking for me, and he sought me out. He pulled me out. I'm speaking this at your testimony, too, if you're in the Lord. Um, you can glory in the Lord. So don't worry if other people don't understand it, okay? If uh, they're of the world, they won't understand it. If Jesus is calling them to himself, they'll begin to ask you questions, Tell me more about this joy that you have. Tell me more. Um, so if the Lord is calling them an unbeliever, uh, I believe they'll, they'll, they'll be drawn to other believers. They'll be drawn to you. Jesus said, he who receives you receives me. And so when I'm going through life and there is an unbeliever that I'm stumbling across and running across and they're, they seem to be drawn to me. There's a friendship or they're interested and, they're, you know, I'm able to speak about Jesus and they don't run away. Um, 
then to me, that's a sign, hey, the Lord is drawing this person to himself. So look out, you know, look for those opportunities that are going to open up. So, um, but to those who are not called (laughs) or not hearing, um, they'll think it's just stupidity, what you're believing, what you're doing, what you're living. The decisions that you're making to order your life are not the same decisions that they're making, and they think it's foolish. Your calling is either a fragrance or a stench around you, so don't worry about which one. um, Just live boldly and confidently in who Jesus has made you to be um, and be ready to give a defense for the hope that's in you. Be looking for those opportunities. And again, I want to just reinforce how uh, it's the Lord who called you. (laughs) And in Luke chapter 10, I know we're going to read a lot of scriptures this morning, and uh, you can jot them down, you can read them more later. Um, but let them sink down into you. Um, I'm going to start in verse 19 of Luke chapter 10. Uh, Jesus says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and all, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Verse 21, in that hour, I love this, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, for it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father, And no one knows the Son, who the Son is, except the Father, and who the Father is, except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and have not heard it. So it's an incredible privilege that the Son willed to reveal himself to you and to me. Incredible privilege. It says that wise men, kings, and prophets, they long to see this day in which the Holy Spirit would be poured out and men would have revelation of who the Messiah is and have unhindered relationship and access to the living God. Uh, No longer a temple a physical temple that you have to go to to perform sacrifices, not just one person that gets to go into the Holy of Holies, that the Holy of Holies comes and dwells inside you. And kings long to see this. And now it's been revealed to you. So now we are called to steward this great and precious calling. And by stewarding your calling, you are not making it happen or causing your calling to be effective. But you are able to join into its joy and reward by participating in its power and truth. So we are called to steward (laughs) this calling. We steward this calling by yielding to the one who called us, by agreeing with the voice and leading of the Holy Spirit. So the Father sets us, he brings us into himself, he calls us to himself, 
and then he sets us on a journey with him in life. The Holy Spirit has been given as a helper. He is here to lead you into all truth. He is here to come alongside you and in you and cause you to see all that you have been given in Jesus. That's why he is here. The Holy Spirit, of course, is a person. He's here to stay. He will never leave or forsake you. He will walk with you along your journey. And we need to get to know the Holy Spirit as a person. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Does he have say-so in your decision-making? Is he the first one that you go to to seek for wisdom and direction in your life? You need to know him and be on journey with him. He will take you into the most wonderful directions that you didn't expect. The Holy Spirit is not just a power and a force of God. He is a person that is here walking with you and in you and causing you to see how incredible your calling is. And as you begin to see it, you step into it more and more and experience it. So within your calling as a believer, there is a pathway that the Holy Spirit has marked out for your life. And it's important to tune in to his leading and direction. We are not called to walk through life apathetic to the will and desire of the Holy Spirit. He's to be our first thought. He's the first thing that we go to. Not the, the last thing that after you've made your decision, you say, okay, you know, can you clean up this? Can you make this work out? Because this is what I really want to do. So God, will you make it happen? That's not how you approach it. <laughs> you approach him. Say, Holy Spirit, I need direction. I need wisdom. I need understanding. Show me what your desire is in this season. What is your desire here in this situation? And allow him to speak. What do you say? You know, I've heard many people actually say that the Lord doesn't really have a specific will for your life. Many believers have said this to me. Uh, only a general will of his desire, and we just do the best we can. Um, that is a cheating lie, <laughs> okay? To steal you of an incredible blessing and fruitfulness and joy. The, that kind of thinking is totally devoid of an active relationship with God, okay? The living person of God. That, that attitude says, just give me, you know, give me a list, give me rules, just like the Israelites said. You know, Moses, you go up, tell us what God says and what to do, and we'll do it. That's that kind of thinking, to say, well, God just has his general will, and we just follow that and do the best we can. Yes, he does have a general will, very, and it's given to us in Scripture. His desires are clearly revealed in Scripture. But he also is a living person that is here to walk in us and through us and guide us and direct us, and you can have that. The Holy Spirit is intimately involved in your life and will lead you in specific areas of your life and your calling. So to fulfill your, call, to fulfill your calling is really just growing up into your calling, okay? <laughs> um, it is, is to expand into the prophetic destiny that God sees you as. Um, I'll just give an example. I remember the first night that I went and hung out with Sarah um, before we were married, 
and I had a, a photo a photography class, and I had to do night photos, so I invited her out. We went out to Sequoia Hills and uh, took pictures at night and practiced, and we ended up staying there till 1 a.m., <laughs> and uh, I don't recommend that to you dating couples or whatever. Um, and I know uh, Tim was very mad, you know, that I <laughs> kept her out there till 1 a.m., um, but it was great. And, uh, and, and we prayed, okay? We <laughs> yeah, we did. We closed the night in prayer, and we did. We, we asked the Lord, Lord, if, if you want us to date, if this is something of you, if you're in this, show us. And, I mean, I, I stopped, and I said, okay, we're going to pray. Lord, if this is you, show us. Um, and I remember going home, uh, go to, going to sleep, and at 5 a.m. in the morning, the Lord woke me up and said, you've made an idol of being the master of your own destiny, trying to determine your own plans and where you want to go and what you want to do, and you're going to marry this woman. <laughs> and And... <laughs> so, you know, because I had made all these plans, you know, I was going to go overseas, I was going to go and teach art and be, do missions, and I had all these things laid out, you know, and it seemed to require being loose and fancy free and getting to decide all these things, and the Lord nailed me, and because and I was hesitant, uh, you know, do you want me to marry, you know, do you want me to to commit and, and settle down my roots. And, and, and so the Lord nailed me. And, you know, those are things that the Lord speaks to you as a believer in your life. Now, you don't go and use those things to get your way. Uh, I didn't go the next day and tell Sarah, well, the Lord told me I'm going to marry you, um, so by God, me, let's do this. No, you... You, you hold on to those things, and you test them out. You walk it out in reality, and you see how the Lord continues to confirm his word. Um, you don't just run on that one thing that was emotional to you. You continue to test it and see how the Lord confirms it. And so if it's the Lord, he'll confirm it through multiple avenues. Other people will recognize the blessing that it's in. Lord will con and along the way, the Lord continued to show so many confirmations of the Lord in it, okay? Um, so he speaks and has a specific will <laughs> for your life. Be sensitive to that and willing for him to have his way in your life and not trudge ahead uh, because of just something that you want. Are you willing to allow the Holy Spirit to mess up your plans and direct you into better plans than his, okay? Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Um, Paul says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of me. Yeah. So let's just pause for a moment because... We speak a lot about the gospel here and the truth of the gospel that in Christ, 
You are perfect. Your spirit has been made perfect. You are new. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you are. And that is absolute truth, in fact. And we have to walk in that. But here, Paul is speaking about this journey that he has with the Lord and the specific things that the Lord has called him to. He's saying, I'm not yet perfected. Or another way of saying that is complete. He's not yet completed all that the Lord has called him to, okay? And so he says that he presses on to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. So Jesus has already laid hold of it for you, and, but we have to lay hold of it ourselves. So brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, And reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So here is Paul, who's this incredible apostle, who's preaching, who's casting out demons, raising the dead. And and he said, I'm not yet apprehended everything. I'm not yet complete. I'm not yet fulfilled everything that the Lord has laid hold of for me. I am pressing on. I am continuing in this until everything that the Lord has called me to do, I fulfill, and I do. Um, and so we need to have this attitude, even in Christ, as on this journey, that there are still things yet to, that the Lord has called you to lay hold of. He's already laid hold of it for you, but you've got to lay hold of it, too, in reality. So Jesus has already laid hold of many things for us and calls us to lay hold of them. Um, respond and depend upon the active leading of the Holy Spirit. That's the key. There are visions that uh, I've had even before I surrendered to Jesus that I have not yet fully seen fulfilled. Um, So it's not the time to shrink back, okay? It's the time to press forward until you see those things manifest. I believe that the enemy has tried to distract many of you And has attacked your sense of calling and the importance of your calling. Ultimately, this tactic is to challenge your identity to distract you from walking into your destiny in Christ. Your identity is called and chosen by the Lord. We've seen seen that and established that. Your destiny is to be conformed to his image by following the direction and desire of the Holy Spirit. When your destiny in Christ are certain, things that are, uh, um, there's things that only you can fulfill in life. There's things that God has called you specifically to that only you are going to fulfill. Um, good works, Scripture says, that he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Jesus never promised that there wouldn't be challenges along the way in following him. He actually promised challenges. He promised opposition. He promised difficulty. Um, I want to shift a little bit and look at the life of Paul uh, as an example of what it looks like to press forward to the upward call of God. Even when friends try to lead you in a different direction, um, we see in the life of Paul a deep unity and relationship that he has with the person of Jesus. And he is able to discern... Um, what is the directive of the Lord and what is a distraction 
uh, something trying to deter him from his calling or fulfilling what Jesus has set forth for him. Um, you cannot rely solely on the voice of other people to fulfill your destiny. <laughs> Even when those people are full of the Holy Spirit and speaking from the Holy Spirit, you must grow in your communion with the Holy Spirit and understand your calling is from the person of Jesus and not from any other man. Man cannot give your calling value. Man cannot give your calling purpose. Approval will not be deeply satisfying and is not the mark of following the will of God. <laughs> Understand, I'm not saying that disapproval is the mark of following the will of God either. God has given us the gift of fivefold ministries within the body of Christ to lead us and guide us and shepherd us. Um, but they are not your personal butlers to tell you what to do at every turn, every step of your life. Uh, you have one helper. <laughs> you have the Son also who intercedes at the right hand of God for you. You have one helper, the Holy Spirit. And John says that you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit and you have no need that someone teach you. Okay? Now, is he saying that we don't need any teachers in the body of Christ? No, he's teaching right there. But <laughs> this anointing teaches you teaches you that you know the Lord, <laughs> that you know that you're his son. You, no one can come to you and tell you that you know the Lord. <laughs> you either know him or you don't. Uh, no one can convince you that you're the Lord's. Either the Lord's convinced you of it or not. If you're relying on man to convince you that you're okay, then you need to deal with the Lord. Um, as we near the end of the book of Acts in chapter 20, we see that Paul is determined to go to Jerusalem. In Acts 20, 16, you know, I've turned there yet, it says he was hurrying to be at Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. So Paul was convinced that he needed to go to Jerusalem. This is real-time decision-making in the moment. And on the way to Jerusalem, he stops in Miletus to meet the elders of Miletus, and also the elders from Ephesus come there and meet him. And he says in Acts 20.20, 20, how I kept back, and he's describing his ministry to them. Uh, he's reaffirming what he has done and spoken to them. And so I'm picking it up in the middle of a sentence. Um, uh, verse 20, how I kept nothing back that was helpful, but proclaimed to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward Jesus Christ. And see... Now I go bound in spirit, in the spirit, to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there. Verse 23, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus 
to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So Paul, everywhere he goes, is receiving bad prophetic words, okay? Chains await you. Suffering awaits you. Difficulty awaits you. Whoa now, we'd say, you know, slow down. Um, that's not my best life now. Um, what, what's going on? Let's just sit back, back this train up. How about we go to another city? You know, they like me in Ephesus pretty good. Maybe we could go to Philippi. That'd be great. They'd receive me there. No, Paul is convinced by something deeper than even these prophetic words that are showing him that difficulty is awaiting. Uh, he has a knowing of his Lord Jesus and what it is that Jesus has called him to. And it doesn't stop there, just vague words. In Acts 21, verse 11, we see it even more specifically. Uh, 21, verse 11. And as we stayed many days, a certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Wait a minute. Prophets in the New Testament? Yes, it's a thing. Um, when he had come to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when we heard these things, both we and those from that place pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. And they were staying in the house of Philip, the evangelist. He had daughters that prophesied. Okay, so this is Philip's house. These brothers and sisters in Philip's house, and they're pleading with Paul, don't go. Then Paul answered, what do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So when he, had, when, when he would not be persuaded, we, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. So how easily are you persuaded not to follow what you know Jesus has given you to do? <laughs> I do not say this to condemn anyone because I'm guilty of allowing things to deter me and distract me from something that's truly what I'm called to. So I'm saying it because we need to be so convinced in our inner man that we know what Jesus has given us to do, uh, that even when our friends plead with us, that won't deter us from following the will of the Lord. Even prophetic words that are given may cause some alarm or reveal difficulty ahead. That's why relationship with the one who has called you is so important. <laughs> this is not an external relationship where we just hear words from outside. You have the Holy Spirit in you to bear witness with the word of the Lord. Uh, I shared some of my own testimony of how there were certain things that Jesus showed me early on when he was calling me. Things that I haven't seen yet fully. I believe there are also things that the Lord has spoken to many of you uh, that you haven't yet seen fully, all right? We, we still have to press on. The things that are so deep down that it is hard to express them with words, and when you do try to express them, people don't understand. People can't quite see it, what you see. Um, that's okay, all right? 
that doesn't mean you're supposed to toss it away and give up on it, on what you know is from the Lord. Uh, do not give up on those things, but press on to the upward call of God. This drive that was in Paul to return to Jerusalem was not in vain because there was a purpose in it that Jesus had revealed to him from the very moment of Paul's calling when he was knocked off his horse. Promises that Jesus made um, were now beginning to be fulfilled in Paul's life. At the moment of Paul's conversion, the Lord spoke to Ananias, if you remember, and called Ananias to go and lay hands on Paul, that he'd receive his sight, and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Ananias is a little hesitant. He's like, this guy's been throwing Christians in prison. Do I really go? And the Lord says to Ananias, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. It's Acts 9.15. So this DNA had been conceived in Paul from the very beginning of his calling. Okay, Paul, and now at the end of Acts, Paul is brought before the high priest and the council in Jerusalem to testify of Jesus. It says um, in Acts 23, 11, But the following night the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul. This is after he had spoken to the high priest. Be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified uh, for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness of me in Rome. So then he's brought before Felix, the governor. Uh, he's brought before uh, Festus, his successor. And he's also then brought before King Agrippa. And in each of these um, councils, each of these times, he's testifying. He's giving his testimony, how he encountered the living, risen Christ, how he was knocked off his horse, how he's sp spoken from heaven. And so he's testifying. And so Paul is in this moment, he's fulfilling these things that he was called to from the very beginning. He's testifying before kings. He's testifying before the high priest. All these things. Um, and, and at the end, you know, Paul says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Like, <laughs> he did it. Uh, he fulfilled what the Lord had called him to. Um, let's, let's stand. We're moving to the end here. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to close with a few questions and then prayer this morning. Are you fully convinced of your calling into relationship with Christ? Do you realize the great power and privilege of that calling? Do you understand that your calling is not resting on your works, but that calling works in you by grace, okay? Have you been distracted away from the identity you have in Christ and the destiny that he has placed in you? It's just a time to step forward in this season. Step forward into what the Lord has called you into. Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your word, Lord Jesus. That, Father, you called us out of darkness into marvelous light in the kingdom of your Son. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have placed us in yourself. And that, Father, we are secure in you, Father. And, Lord, there are things that you have promised 
that, Father, we want to step into more fully, Lord Jesus, that we want to walk out more boldly, Lord Jesus, in this life. So, Father, we ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, that you would cause us to walk boldly, Father, into the things that you have called us to in this season, Lord Jesus, that we would not shrink back in any shape, fashion, or form, Lord Jesus, and that you would awaken our hearts, Father, if they have grown um, apathetic of just going through the motions, Lord Jesus, that you would awaken hearts, Lord Jesus, this morning, Father, that we can see clearly uh, the goodness of the Lord and what you have called to, and that it's time to pick up the sword, it's time to pick up and walk forward from this point on. Paul said, not looking back at things behind, but pressing forward. And so, Lord Jesus, from this moment, we can walk forward into the destiny that you have called us into. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to be up here to pray this morning. Uh, if something in the message touched you and you want prayer and ministry over that, we'll be up here. If you need prayer in your body, we'll be up here to minister healing. And um, but if not, you're free and released to go. Be blessed and go in the power of the Holy Spirit today. Amen. Hallelujah. And 